Well, good morning. My name is David Disraeli of Disraeli News here in Austin, Texas, and today I am delighted to have Colonel James Reganor, who worked in both the Bush and Obama administrations as the Deputy Executive Secretary of the National Security Council. Um, James has an extensive background in military strategy, operations, and missile defense. Today, he's the managing partner of West Exec Partners, LLC. In this capacity, he advises Fortune 100 companies, private equity, and governments on the matters of importance. Lastly, James is a frequent commentator on national news programs. Uh, good morning, Colonel. Good morning, David. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. So, we wanted to talk a little bit about what you feel is going to happen or what the options are when this war is over in, in Gaza, um, if it's ever actually over in terms of it, you know, what kind of occupation or governance is going to be in place there. Um, before we do that, though, uh, the biggest news right now is the release of hostages. And I'm not going to believe it until I actually see the hostages on, on television. But it appears that it's really going to happen. And uh, already there's criticism that, you know, Israel's doing a three for one, uh, three Palestinians for, for one hostage. I'm told that's not out of character for them. Uh, but first, can you comment on uh, the criticism they're they're getting for uh, a sweet deal like that? Yeah, I mean, they've given over a thousand prisoners up for one hostage. And if you recall, there's an IDF soldier that was held for five years. Um, took him quite a bit negotiating to get him released. Um, I think that speaks volumes to really the commitment the Israelis have, specifically the Israeli government has, to bring the people home. And uh, there's something to be said with that. Now, there's also, you know, we don't negotiate with terrorists, which has always been kind of the U.S. state of policy, although we have negotiated with terrorists. We have, uh, you know, people believe Iran's a terror organization. And we have, um, as a result of that, traded uh, both people and money. So when you look at what's going on today, um, it's a three-for-one. But, you know, what that tells somebody like me is uh, Israel really values their people, whereas Hamas does not. Um, and I think that's best illustrated in, you know, the recent activities. Um, what was going on? I mean, Hamas uses their people for human shields. Hamas uses their people, uh, or exploits their people. You know, when donations are given or, or payments are given to, uh, Gaza to improve the life of the Gazans, uh, Hamas skims or takes all their money and does nothing but fortify, uh, their position with this anti-Israeli uh, rhetoric and, and the tax and also enriches their leadership. I mean, their leaders are living in Qatar, uh, in the lap of luxury. Yet their fighters and soldiers are, you know, every day, um, living, try to scrape by. And uh, most people in their range are men in their range of 17 and 35 don't have jobs. Um, why? Because Hamas keeps people down. So it is a sweet deal. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the timing. I mean, excuse me, ignore the condition. I do think that uh, the Israelis need to keep the pressure on and need to uh, really eradicate Gaza of Hamas, and that means Hamas is a military entity and the Mots is a political entity. So you feel like they're going to continue after this five-day ceasefire that they've agreed to, uh, or four days, um, is over with, they're going to continue marching south 
Um, since the the Gazans are already moving south to avoid the the bombings, uh, how do you see that that playing out? They can't go to Egypt uh, unless they have a passport, and I'm told that uh, they most of those people do not have passports to go anywhere. It, it, it it's funny how over the years the um, Arab nations have always uh, you know brought up the plight of the Palestinians to Israel. And they expect Israel to solve that problem. Um, you know, these people, um, since the beginning of time, that, you know, they, they may have lived or occupied the area or traveled between the area and so on. But uh, as the Arab nations opened their doors to them back in the 70s, if you recall, um, the Palestinians went into countries like Jordan and tried to overthrow the government there and so on. So, so although the Arab states may say that, you know, we're here to help the Palestinians, um, where the, where the rubber meets the road, they're not there. They're not opening their doors. I'll be able to get so not staying up, establishing uh, the areas that the uh, Palestinians can go to during this time. So, uh, I, I, you know, Israelis are going to come in and do what they got to do. So, what is your expectation or, range, I guess, range of expectations for what's going to be the situation, uh, not economically, but in terms of society and governance, um, in Gaza, uh, and for that matter, the West Bank, once Israel uh, either pulls out or maintains a peacekeeping force, or you know something in between, um, everybody's asking about that, and I haven't heard a uh, any articulation about it, and Israel's not talking about it either. Yeah, so I I think what you're going to end up seeing is you know what guys left like in 2005, the, the economy that was working. I met people that were working, and they gave it back. Pardon me. And they gave it back to the Palestinians, and that Hamas basically took over, and then they broke everything. Um, so uh, this is going to be uh, what I would say is a longer occupation, but without creating economic conditions for the Gazans to actually succeed in entirely, it won't be successful. But what will happen is the... Uh, Israelis will come in. Uh, I think you'll see some international aid going from the U.S. and the EU. Uh, I, I think what you'll see is also you'll see the U.N. try to elbow their way in. I mean, the U.N.'s in there now, right, working in schools and stuff, but there really needs to be a reprogramming. And I use that word specifically because the children, the next generation, the next generation of potential Hamas warriors are being educated uh, in this I-8-Israel, you know, with Israelis, I mean, to die type of um, um, education uh, framework. Can't yeah, work like that. I mean, they were showing math problems that these young kids are doing third, fourth grade. They're talking about somebody's a martyr, they blow up and they kill somebody in the trailers and so on. That can't work like that. And it needs to be fixed. Um, so, to that end, Israel's going to have to come into one, create economic conditions. Two, they're going to have to eradicate Hamas as both a military party and a political party. Um, and then, you know, Fatah out there, right? So, you know, Fatah and Hamas have been at odds. Fatah, you know, it's replaced the national Palestinian, uh, movement. Uh, you know, yeah, the Israel, I'm sorry, the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank with the bars and so on. So there has to be some sort of coalescence of these forces together. With the exception of Hamas, Hamas just has to be pushed out. There's a couple other terrorists in there, but they all have to be pushed out, um, of Gaza. Those people like to be brought to justice. 
So what UNC is probably an administrator, and Israel is. And that administrator will uh, work to set up a government, uh, and that government will work to be representative of the people. Um, does that mean it has to be democracy? I think coming out of the gate, no. You don't have elections. When you put Nazis and moderates in place, they can provide that economic stability to move forward. Is there such a thing? Yeah, there, there is such a thing. I mean, how many how many Arabs? Two million. Right? The yeah. number of Arabs, right? So, in fact, the mayor of Jerusalem was an Arab, right? And a part of that city council there, uh, definitely Arab. So, there are Arabs, whether they're in Israel, they're in Palestine, there are moderate Arabs out there. Those are who need to at least be put in these positions. But, they need to have the expertise in order to facilitate this growing and creation of a, of a viable economy. They can't put in people that have no idea what's going on. Um, so we have to find leaders. And maybe the leaders were outside. There's plenty of successful Palestinians in this country and in Europe and others. So maybe they'll heed the call to come back and help their country, Gaza, uh, grow. And, you know, that's always a uh, always. So, do you think the like this house I'm living in today, um, I purchased from a Palestinian, oh. Buffalo, New York, very successful Palestinian. So, uh, you know, there are successful people out there that could return and help the country. As we saw, you know, we saw we saw quite a bit of, actually when the wall came down. We also saw quite a bit of on the east and west Germany folks from one side to the other with the brass. So. Do you feel like the uh, Israeli government is prepared to make that investment? They have to be. Um, for the sake of long-term security, they have to be. We can't go every 15, 20 years, every generation of these kids who grow up hating uh, um, Israel, you know, coming into power, uh, being exploited, and attacking. Because that, that's what happens, right? These kids are new-groomed, then they're exploited, and uh, yeah, again, they're making, they're making their masters wealthy. They're living in Qatar, no luxury. Um, I would tell you too that you know, I hate to say this publicly, but uh, the, the, the Israelis have a very good track record of tracking down people who are a threat to Israel, and uh, and I'll say doling out justice. Um, we only have to go to the Nazi hunters to see, you know, what happened there. We only have to look to the nineteen seventy two Olympics and see what happened there. Those leaders. We're tracked down eventually, and uh, I'd say most of them are uh, not among us today. Um, and uh, again, I'm not a proponent of political assassination or anything like that. I am a proponent of justice, and sometimes justice comes in the form of a bullet. And I think the Israelis know what to do when they're going to go up and they're going to do it. They're going to take care of this, and they have to because these people killed, uh, kidnapped raped, uh, beheaded, uh, did the most heinous crimes, barbaric crimes, uh, to the people of Israel. And there has to be justice. And I'm telling you, that justice is not a court. It's going to be in the form of a bullet. Sometimes that's your, your only option. Um, <clears throat> one of the sources of confusion that I have observed is the term uh, in fact, uh, your former boss, Obama, just used this on national television. Uh, they keep saying occupied territories, occupied territories. 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Gaza and the West Bank are, are up, at least up until this war started, they were not occupied. So can you explain to our listeners what occupied actually means and why that term is being misused right now? Yeah, I mean, and then Germans, for example, would have a better case of saying that they're occupied territory because they still have foreign forces on their land, right? The U.S. and so on, post-war. Uh, the Japanese would have a better case of saying that they were occupied. Neither one of those countries are occupied. They govern themselves, are free to have security cooperation agreements with the United States. Gaza was occupied by, Palestine, or by Israel until 2005, and they left. As you look, um, you know, people are saying now that they're in prison, that, uh, you know, Gaza is this, you know, that's a fence around it. They can't go to the sea. Israel controls the sea. They patrol the airspace. Um, they give or uh, sell the electricity and fresh water to the Gazans and dozens and so on. So by de facto, they're calling that an occupation because they're not afraid it is. Now, let's peel back the onion a little bit. Why are they not free to do this? Well, there was incursions across the border. Well, it sounds like the U.S., right? But what did the Israelis do? Rid of a fence. Why? To make the area more secure for both the Palestinians and the Israelis. Okay. Uh, the Gazans are producing electricity, so how are they going to support themselves? They can't do gas generators for the rest of life. So Israel pushes electricity to them. The Gazans choose not to create sanitation and fresh water. They choose to spend the money to dig up the pipes and make bonds out of it. So... Israelis have to give them water. Is that an economic occupation? No. It's an economic necessity for the quality of life, for some, someone's quality of life, but people are there. So as an ex-military uh, officer with, I think you said it was over 30 years of uh, active duty experience, um, you would say that the term occupied uh, is misused and incorrect. They're having free elections. They elected their, their government, although it was, uh, you know, it's probably a fragile election in Boston. So why does the... Go, I'm sorry. Occupied countries are having their elections. If you look at when we occupied Afghanistan, so we set up, a, a, you know, a, a kind of a, a government, a shadow government on top of them to help them govern. That's an occupation. Israelis, uh, like I said, they withdraw. Um, and quite frankly, they were providing services to the Palestinians. You know, if you're really sick in, in Gaza, you went to an Israeli hospital and you got services there and so on. The Israelis are caring people. They live in the, 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 in the fabric of responsible nations. They follow laws and rules and governments. Palestine, on the other hand, had only one focus for the government. Only one focus is the destruction of Israel. Okay? If you take away all the weapons of Palestine, what will happen? Well, the Palestinian uh, authority or the government, whoever's going to be a government there, is going to be at the conditions to go ahead and prosper. Okay. It's not a matter of defense. Israel has no intention of coming back across. They don't want to be there. <clears throat> if you took all the guns away from Israel, what would happen? Hamas and probably some of the, the other belligerents in the area, Iran, Syria, and so on, would come across and wipe Israel off the face of the earth. So th th there's a much broader question here. It, it's really, um, you know, 
what does the uh, kind of the geopolitic look like in this region? Um, Israelis would like to live in peace. Hamas would like to live uh, at the end of uh, you know a sword, a spear, a pike um, with Israeli on it. Okay, they would like to slaughter every Israeli there is. They like no, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just sickening to think about you know kind of where the end goal is. And now you have the Israelis saying, "Hey, we want to eradicate Hamas," and people across the West agitators are, are are trying to say, "Well, they want to commit genocide against the Palestinians." That's never been a stated goal. Never was. Never will be. Jews and Arabs have lived together peacefully for many, many years, uh, thousands of years. But today, by the belligerents, you have Hamas, who just just have to be stopped. You cannot expect either one of those countries to be able to thrive if somebody's holding the fence to their head. Now, Hamas is holding down to Israel's head, not the other way around. Yeah, that's right. So, why do you feel like uh, certain members of our government and media continue to hammer the term occupied. This is not new. It's been it's been going on as long as I can remember. Um what what's the what what is their agenda of of spreading misinformation um throughout the world? Look, there's there's a lot of people who uh it, it's odd, but I mean even here in the US there there are um Jewish lobbies that um, you know don't like the current state of Israel, and so on. So, so you have news even that are out, you know, talking poorly about what's going on. Why are we in this situation? Because there's still some ancient hatreds. Um, but let's kind of uh, unpack what you said. Um, there's never been a country, a state uh, called Palestine. You can go back and look at all the maps. All has never been. Okay. So to say that we're occupying Palestine, to say that uh, um, you know this is a, a state that uh, existed before, and uh, you know the Israelis have come in, this was an agreement by the United Nations, an area that was actually occupied by the British, um, in which they're withdrawing post World War II. So the Israelis had nowhere to go. The Jews have been persecuted, and all they wanted to do is return to their homeland. Now, God was in the century 21 agent. He didn't say, hey, Israel, this is your country, here's a deed, and, and here it is. He didn't say, you're Palestine, here, this is your country, here's your deed, and here it is. In fact, he didn't say that to any country. The modern nation state came to exist because of the Treaty of Westphalia, and, you know, that's what established what a state was going to be and the responsibilities of state and so on. Okay, it wasn't God telling, you have this, you have that. However, Jews and Arabs lived in that area since the beginning of time. They lived there peacefully sometimes. Sometimes they fought, but usually they were occupied. Um, you know, whether it was Babylonians, whether it was the Romans, and, and so on throughout time. So they've never really had a period of time where they controlled their destiny. And once they didn't get to a period of time where they at least they had an input in the control of their destiny, um, they became very greedy. That, you know, I have to think back too hard. The Israelis were blowing up buildings and doing all kinds of things. The Jews were, I should say. I'm back when they were seeking their free Israel, right, from the uh, from the British. So, you know, when, when you kind of look at some of the heroes 
uh, you know, of, of the state of Israel. Those were folks who were out there fighting for an independent Israel um, from the British. Uh, and in Europe's to go, can do page of that playbook and start doing the same thing, you know, to Israel. And they want to expand their lands. Everybody wants to go back to, you know, pre-1973, this and that. Uh, what you really need to get to is throw away the two-state solution. I'm a huge proponent uh, of the one single state, live in peace type of uh, solution. Share in the wealth, share in the economy, uh, share in, in, in the relationships that can be built. There are Jews and Arabs that are married. Um, there are Jews and Arabs whose children peacefully go to school together, work together. Um, and I, I think that that ultimately is what brings peace to the region. And we did an experiment here in the U.S. It's called Bosnia-Herzegovina. It's not working out so well, right? Those folks are at each other's throats, and it um, just takes one one event to, to reignite that conflict. We don't think, or I personally don't think, that that's the world we want for the next 50, 200 years in the Middle East. We want people that are willing to live together, work together, and prosper together. And by dividing uh, the is uh, Palestinians and the Israelis, you can create tension and conflict that can be exploited. And it's a hedge lever strategy, right? If Iran wants to piss off the U.S., they can um, fight Hamas and create an attack in Israel. If the U.S., uh, you know, and, and, it, and it's really not really uh, Iran. If you ask me, it's a, it's a kinks dot-to-dot puzzle. It's Iran, and we stop there at the first spot. It's really Iran, we can go to China. And so on. I mean, that, that's where these stocks all go. It's all part of a hedge lever strategy um, against the West. Uh, so you have to create a way to break the edge and lever, to take out the foreign influence, Iran and China, and in some cases Russia, and allow these two countries, again, to live together, to work together, to prosper together. And until we do that, people are going to continually exploit the fact that, um, you know, there's a tension, there's an edge between those two groups. And they become puppets, whether or not they're their own puppet master or the puppets of uh, Iran or Gandor, China, uh, is yet to be seen. Wow, that is a n- incredible explanation. I really appreciate you uh, explaining all that and, and coming on our, uh, our podcast. Um, it, while you were saying that, at the, at, at the very end, I'm thinking, you know, if there isn't a conflict then create one uh, because everybody's got an agenda except Israel, which is to live in peace and not be attacked, whether it's a foral attack like this uh, October 7th or just a suicide bomber. But since I was old enough to listen to the news, which is a long time, there's been uh, random attacks against Israel in my entire life. And I just pray for the peace of Jerusalem and uh, hope that um, level-headed minds will will prevail. And I guess we'll see, starting with whether these hostages actually get released uh, and then more to come. So I'd love to have you back on and, and get into this a little bit. Uh, the, the dots that you talked about is a whole different podcast uh, because there are bigger, uh, there are bigger issues at, at, at work here in terms of world power. Um, and we're we're focused on the symptom instead of the problem. We were talking about this one particular 
conflict. Um, civilization has a bloody history, period. And it started with Cain and Abel and it hadn't stopped. Um, so it's, it's, it just is what it is, and it's very sad. Um, anyway, I really appreciate your time, and I will be in touch with you in the very near future. Well, I appreciate having me on it, David, and uh, if I may just one last comment. When I first started going to Israel, um, that's back when the uh, uh, buses used to get bombed. Somebody walk on a bus, pull a pin, blow up a bus, right? So yeah, as a U.S. government, as a U.S. government employee, I was not allowed to take a bus. You know, I'm talking everywhere from Tel Aviv up to that the um, buses were bought. That thing was, they would just roll on the beach uh, in, a, in a rubber raft to start shooting people. I mean, that was kind of the modus operandi at the time. Um, you know, it has always been that way. And I'm going to give a plug for something. It's uh, Robert Baer uh, did a series. He was the station chief, a CIA station chief in Lebanon when the Marine Barracks uh, was, was hacked. It's called The History of Suicide Bomber. And there's part one, part two. Um, I got it in DVD. That's how long ago it came out. But you can find it online. But what he does is he talks about the shadow war that's been going on with um, the U.S. and Iran. Uh, and it's got some Israel and Lebanon, obviously, in there. Um, but really, it starts to explain um, why these tensions exist, why these why this war has been ongoing. The history of the suicide bomber is just a flashy title to get people to actually buy it. But it does also explain kind of the dynamic that took place between the Iraq and Iran war of the little kids marching off and you know, blowing themselves up in front of tanks and so on. Um, but all that comes together in a very cohesive manner so that you can understand where the tension, the friction, um, and the hatred uh, comes from in this conflict. And, you know, a lot of conflicts are driven by ancient hatreds. You can just go to you know, Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, Serbia, and all that. It's an ancient, ancient from the 12th century, or 13th century. But in Israel, they're, they're not really ancient hatreds. These are more modern hatreds that have been created, um, you know, by these entities, by these governments, by these religions. Um, it's really well worth taking the time to watch it. I used to make my subordinate commanders watch it before they deployed uh, into the Middle East so that they could understand the dynamic that was taking place there. I much appreciate having you on. Uh, Go watch the uh, show and then let's do a podcast talking about kind of what unravels out of that because I, I think it'll be really, really. So it could be streamed now, all over this various streaming services? Yeah, I, I imagine it's out there. Robert Bear, B A E R, is how you're supposed to. Okay. I appreciate it.